Welcome to On The Verge. This podcast will highlight interviews from entrepreneurs, musicians, and professional golfers. It will center around what tools they have used to help them reach their dreams, how they use golf to further their career, whether it be for escape from the rigors of their profession or to build more business, and how the communitas of wine, music, and golf enrich their lives. This is all about the enjoyment of life, rising above the struggles, and stretching past the best to be better every day. On The Verge. On The Verge is presented by Cure, cannabis used for research and education. The medical industry is steadfastly looking to help millions of patients that suffer from injuries related to repetitive motion, sports, trauma, and many other orthopedic injuries, as well as skin disorders, mental disorders, cancer, and osteoporosis, to name only a few of the other underlying conditions that billions suffer from each day. On average in this country, we have 10,000 people turning 65 every day. With the cost of pharmaceutical medicines increasing, patients deserve natural alternatives that are not only more cost-effective, but also safer for them and society. Cure is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions. Cure does this by providing a therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid formulations for multiple uses, whether internally or externally. Ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician if cannabinoids are right for you. Or check out their website at www.curemich.com. Cure, cannabis used for research and education. On the Verge is also brought to you by Green Scene. Green Scene is a family-owned company recognized as the Sizzle Award winner for outdoor living in Williamson County. We design and construct areas to blend with the natural landscape of your yard. That can include outdoor spaces, gazebos, fire pits, outdoor kitchens, and yes, putting greens. We understand the importance of your home. That's why we never settle for anything but the best. Green Scene also provides multiple teams with professional landscape maintenance, irrigation, and outdoor lighting. Welcome to On The Verge. Today's special guest has entered into the new platform of simulator golf space, entertainment, and the private club atmosphere while not being at a golf course. Uh, he's the chief operating officer at the Golf Sanctuary here in Brentwood, Tennessee. Michael Shin. Michael, how are you today, buddy? Doing great. Thank you for having me. This is, uh, this is exciting. Honored to be on here with you, man. Well, I'm, uh, I'm fascinated because I love where golf is right now. Obviously, we, we don't love the fact that it took a pandemic to take golf to this level. But within the pandemic world, we also have all this gigantic influx of technology and places where people can be, you know, by themselves or, you know, very few people and get the high level experience of technology and their golf swing and their information on why the ball did what it did, but be able to almost like an entertainment version of golf, but yet it's, they don't have to chase their ball. Every shot they hit rolls right back to their feet and they just rake it over and do it again. There's a lot of benefits to that. But when I think back and I look at your resume and, you know, you've been, you came from the benefits world and prior to that, you were working at Lexus as a, as a sales manager how did you find yourself ending up in the golf sanctuary? Yeah, great question. So, um, you know, the easiest way is I've always had a, a huge passion for the game, and it was a huge part of my life growing up. And and I used to always say, you know, the golf course was my sanctuary, and it was always my place to get away. And, uh, you know, and, and Lexus was amazing. I had a great time. Uh, it was really my first big boy job um, coming out of school. And 
trying to play a little golf and, and, uh, transitioned into the auto world. And then, um, you know, I, lo- I loved the car business. It was so much fun, uh, but it's very time consuming. Mm-hmm. And, uh, me and my, you know, got married. So me and my wife, you know, were talking about starting a family and it wasn't very conducive for that. And, and so, uh, Knew that at some point working at Lexus and selling really expensive cars, I'd meet somebody that would, uh, you know, um, give me an opportunity into something that could provide me a better lifestyle. Yeah. And, uh, and I was lucky enough to, to meet a local guy here, great golfer, David Squirtino. Uh, we went out to uh, Richland and played and um, by like the 12th hole, uh, you know, kind of figured out what he was doing in his life. And, and uh he asked me what I did, and I said, you know, it really doesn't matter, David. What do you do? That's kind of what I want to talk about. Yeah. And, and so we started talking about in commercial insurance and benefits and everything, and, and it was really exciting. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, loved everything about about my career there except really the insurance piece. And, um, and so I made that transition uh, with the Golf Sanctuary. Uh, about two and a half years ago, I uh, started working with Billy a little bit, kind of consulting on on some of the project. And then once we kind of got to the point where it was like, hey, I think uh, really during the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you know, golf's booming. And, you know, it's like you said, I, I, I hate that it took a pandemic to do it. But, you know, the reality is COVID's been as great for golf as Tiger was yeah. or, and still is. Or uh, I would probably say it's even more impactful. Yeah, absolutely. Than, than Tiger. Um, kind of crazy, though, seeing that one swing he made the other day on – it just shocks the whole golf world. Yeah, it, you know? just, it flips social media upside down <laughs> and sideways. Crazy. I've, I've spent a lot of time with Ned Michaels. I used to do radio shows yeah. with, with the PGA Tour radio together. And Ned's like, he doesn't. He's not doesn't move the needle. He is the. He needle. is the needle. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, he steps onto the stage and like golf stops. Yeah, everybody's no matter if it's LPGA, PGA, yeah. European Tour. Air brakes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I gotta, what's Tiger going to say now? Yeah. We were kind of joking the other day with uh, our director of golf at the sanctuary, Sean. Uh, Sean Wells just saying, you know, um, amazing one golf swing and he, he earned $40 million this year. <laughs> you, know, with that, you know, what is it called? I can't remember now. The, it's, the, the, it's the PEP or the PIP? The, yeah, it's the PIP money yeah. or whatever. It's player influential money. I was yeah. like, that one swing, $40 million. That's <laughs> yeah. a, It's amazing. I think one of the things that you've already kind of alluded to, and this is one of the reasons why I love doing podcasts in long form, is that you've already mentioned two people, David Scartino and Sean Wells, two mm-hmm. of the greatest people in this town. Yeah. And it's amazing how in the world we live in today, human connection is getting less and less uh, involved in the day-to-day operations, Mm -hmm. but it's still the absolute key to getting to where you want to go. And between David and Sean, obviously David getting you into the benefits world, and obviously I'm sure you played a ton of golf with him because he's Mm -hmm. a great player too, and his kids are awesome, love the boys. And Sean, who is literally one of the best PGA pros we have in our section, those are the things that make things successful is the people that you bring in to your life and or, you know, the golf sanctuary. So mm-hmm. talk to us about the importance of finding the right people like Sean. Yeah. And where, like, where do you see the golf sanctuary? Because it's not necessarily an instruction place. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people, and then when people think of six track man being in a building, this is like, well, this must be. This must be like a, a golf academy or something yeah. like that. But more and more, it's not so much. Talk to mm-hmm. us about the game plan that you have and how you know you and Sean and the rest of your team are putting together an experience that's unlike any other. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing to say there is you know business business models and business plans are great, but but they don't work without people. And you know the most important thing to any to any operation, in my personal opinion, is is the team that you bring in there. Um, those are the ones that that like Tiger moved the needle, right? Yeah. Um, 
you know, but the biggest difference with the golf sanctuary and you kind of nailed it right out of the gate is just, you know, it's a social and entertainment club first, you know, we want it to be fun. We want it to be a sanctuary. We want it to be where you can get away and, um, just get away from the riffraff of the world and, and relax and have some of those human interactions, right. That yeah. you mentioned and whether it be with friends and family or, you know, business prospects and clients or whoever that may be, you know, uh, but our biggest focus was to kind of bring something to the Brentwood market that made sense, you know, and really we see in the, in the market across the U S you know, a very, basically two models, you know, you really see a, what I call a driving range in a bar model, you know, like six open bays and a bar sits in behind it and you serve pub food and, you know, and it's great and it's fun. Yeah. Um, and then you also have that experience of, you know, golf tech or, or club champion, you know, which mm-hmm. is really the other model that we see. And, and neither of those really, excited us and you know we wanted to find something different and something that um kind of more replicated the golf course you know you go out to the golf course to have fun you go out to be spend time with your buddies and spend time with your family and and that's really what we tried to focus on you know and so i look at golf first and foremost as a game and it needs to be fun and if it's not fun then it (laughs) can be very painful well one of the things that trackman has done especially with the quality of golf courses and the quality of information that you get on every shot while playing the game Mm -hmm. is that now you can play 18 holes at a golf course you'd always wanted to play in about an hour and 10 minutes Mm -hmm. and while you're doing that you don't have to walk very far to get your ball. There's no looking for balls. You're not losing any balls. And you're getting some information. Yeah. And the more you kind of get constantly get inundated with the numbers, the more inquisitive you get. Mm-hmm. All right? So the more inquisitive you get, the more you want to ask Sean or any of the other staff members you have, like, what's, what does the path-to-face ratio have to do with what I'm doing? Yeah. And what's, what would I be better off trying to fix, my path or my face? You know, those are very common questions yeah. at the very beginning for somebody who just who's playing golf, but they've never seen the explanation pop up of why mm-hmm. it does what it does. The more people want to know, the more they're guaranteed to be a long-term client mm-hmm. because they get informed. But they do it through curiosity, not through being force-fed. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of what I think your model brings in, which is it's, it's a place where people can come. It doesn't take six hours to do. It's not the drive to the club, get loose, play four hours and 30 minutes, eat and have another drink, and then head home. That's a six-hour at right. best. Now you're like, go in, get uh, get a drink and a sandwich, play 18 holes, and you're done in two hours. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what has long-reaching benefits for family lives. Mm-hmm. It has long-reaching benefits for time management. And at the exact same time, you're still getting your reps in, maybe even more than you ever would have if you didn't. And then it becomes the sanctuary. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of great points you made there. I mean, the first, you know, we always talk about practice, you know, the difference in practicing uh, versus warming up. You know, you go to a driving range anywhere in town and it's what we call warming up. You're really getting two points of data. You know, I hit it solid and it went straight. It's really all you get. Yep. Um, You know, with TrackMan, you can get anywhere between eight to 26 points of data, which 26 is what I would call overkill. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's a great way to really learn to play the game uh, far more efficiently. And and then, you know, following up to, you know, talking about face-to-path and things like that, you know, I mean, um, 
I've had really good teachers and coaches in my life and some are very technical and some are very, uh, what I would say, focus more on being athletic. And I think this is more of an athletic approach where you can go in and, and really like pick out one number and say, Hey, let's work on this or what is impacting this. And you can still focus on swinging hard versus trying to, you know, try to hit all these positions, which I feel like a lot of people kind of, um, get caught up in, you know, and, and then, I think that leads to a lot of other problems, but you know, the golf swing is supposed to be athletic. And, and I think today, one of the exciting things that TrackMan does is it's really proven that hitting the ball long ways can really um, elevate your game. Yeah. You for know? Sure. And so I think swinging fast is, is, is as important as swinging right or yeah. correct. Well, one of the things that you can't really swing fast and it not be pretty efficient. Right. Right. So that's when like, to me, I talk about it all the time. The number one, indicator of talent in any sport or business is the speed Mm -hmm. you know when you think of the greatest running back right now Derrick Henry is not only is he the you know he can fly he happens to be a bus (laughs) yeah you know kind of Earl Campbell-ish fast and Herschel Walker fast and big fast and big LeBron Michael Jordan they got up and down the court faster than everybody else more efficiently than everybody else Mm -hmm. so what like at golf we think of the the greatest players of every era were the fastest and longest players Bobby Jones Mm -hmm. you know Hogan, Nelson, Sneed, all super long. Then you had Jack Nicholas, long. Arnie, long. long. Yeah. Watson, long. Norman, long. Faldo, not so much long, but yeah. outrageously precise. But take Faldo out of it and maybe, you know, Colin Morikawa right now. Mm-hmm. All of the greatest players, all the way up until Tiger and Rory and DJ and DeChambeau, they're just the fastest, longest, and they have the shortest clubs in. And statistically speaking, they have an advantage over 72 holes that you can't make up from if you're, what is by Scott Fawcett's term, one standard mm-hmm. deviation behind that, which is 25 yards, you have no chance of winning. Yeah. You know, you just can't win at, at that far behind. Yeah. You know, I had a, I grew up uh, playing a lot out at Champions Run and was very fortunate to do so with two, um, you know, very well-respected golf families here in the state of Tennessee, you know. Uh, with Steve Graham and and Ray Pierce, who yeah. have two control, you know, two totally different ways of playing the game, which was great. Two told two totally different philosophies, but you know, I had a, I was able to have a conversation with with Lou Graham one day, and and I was fortunate enough to be able to swing the club pretty fast at a young age, and and uh, you know, I was always concerned with you know, should I hit more fairways? Should I focus on hitting three woods or two irons? You know, and Lou was like, look, I'll tell you something, Michael. He said. You know, if you give me a wedge out of the rough versus a guy hitting a seven arrow in the fairway, I'm going to beat that guy's brains out every single round, you know, and that's when it really started resonating for me to start using, you know, speed as a weapon versus using it as a, you know, kind of a, it's kind of it being a bad thing, you know, because, you know, you swing the club fast, you're going to hit some foul balls, Oh yeah, um, especially as a kid, you know, and so, um, you know, we had a conversation earlier just about, you know, being a smaller kid, not growing up, you know, growing up at a, at a slower rate than some of these other kids. I remember playing high school basketball and, um, I was five, one, you yeah. know, as a freshman. And we had two guys on our team that were six, eight, <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, different game. Right. Um, but you know, and as you get older, you're able to control it a little more, but you know, I've got two little girls, four, two and a half. I don't really teach them anything other than see ball, hit ball and hit it as hard as you can. Yeah. You know, you can, you can't teach, it's hard to teach speed. Yeah, right? for sure. So, you ever played any golf with Ray? With Ray Pierce? Yeah. Oh, I've probably played 150 rounds with Ray. I love so Ray. This is, this is one of my favorite stories to tell. So I was working Hermitage Golf Course very early in my career, and Ray was on the ground staff. Okay. <laughs> so there was a two-man event out there. It had a pretty good purse in it. My pro injured his elbow really bad, my partner, 
and he couldn't play. So Mike Eller's like, maybe Ray will play. You know, Ray hasn't played in a couple of years, but, you know, maybe Ray will play. So Ray comes up, and he's like, Virgil, I ain't played in, like, two years. I mean, I just got to need a partner, yeah. you know? So he gets out there. He's got these old Wilson staff blades that have almost no grooves on them and an old tailor-made driver. And we get up there. He hits, like, seven balls in the range. I'm not really paying attention. So he get up, we get up on the first hole, and he basically hits driver into the greenside bunker. Yeah. I'm like, hey, <laughs> he shot 500 par, yeah. and he hadn't played in two years. Yeah. I'm like, and of course, we win. And yeah. I'm like, I feel embarrassed. Like, cause I didn't really, I played okay, but not great. But like, I'm thinking, I just picked up, I just picked up a guy who hasn't touched it in two years. And he's like, well, I did lose in a playoff to Tom Lehman on the, on the Hogan tour and not whatever year. And I'm like, well, yeah. you still got it, my friend. There's a great story on how he got into that playoff, if you ever get a chance to, <laughs> for him to tell you. But it involves a driver off the deck, and it's it's beautiful. But, yeah, Ray is just a straight athlete. Golly. I mean, he is just so athletic. and um, But I'd never met a ball striker like him. And, and you know, and, and at 19 years old, you know, and I'm sitting yeah. watching this guy hit balls, and I like, this is crazy, you know. And, um, and, and, and a guy that just has a complete, like, has a sixth gear. He was the first person I'd ever met that, you know, had a completely other gear that he never used until he, you know, the lights were on. Yeah. You know, and could just put the pedal down. I mean, really fun to watch. Great player. Yeah. Watching punt a football or throw a football, watching him throw <laughs> a baseball, good. you're like, dunk Dude. a basketball. It's crazy. I mean, I mean what yeah. are you? Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. He's one of my all time favorite people in this town. I yeah. love Ray Pierce. Yeah, he's so good. Yeah. You know, you play golf at Cumberland, you know, and right now Cumberland's a major powerhouse yeah, in, in, yeah. in golf. And I'm good buddies with Coach Williams and, yep. and, and all the things. Talk to us about the experience that you had, high school golf, leading up to going to Cumberland and the experience that you had. Because I think it's important for especially my listeners, yeah. people that are that are aspiring to play college golf, that don't always think that you're you're not gonna have a successful golf life if you don't play at an SEC or an ACC school. Talk to us about your experience leading up to and getting into college golf. Yeah, so I went to Riverdale High School in Murfreesboro, um, which, you know, it was really me and a uh, good group of guys, me and one other guy that could, could play a little bit. And, you know, we would have to battle it out with Oakland every year. And Oakland was just literally just stud after stud after stud. You know, I mean, they had Andy Vaughn and Stevie Klein and Philip Pettit and Spencer Pro. I mean, it just goes on and on. Yeah. Um, and so obviously, you know, those were the names that were, you know, getting the scholarships and going on to play, you know, at a high level. And, and, um, and quite frankly, I just wasn't that good. You know, I was a 76 to 78 guy and, um, tried to go on and at first and walk on MTSU and didn't work out and, um, was really elevated my game actually while doing that, just practicing and, and grinding and, uh, met, uh, Reed Sanderlin and Mark June down at UT Chattanooga and walked on there for a semester and then kind of fell apart and had to go back home. And, you know, that was really tough. And, um, and then I started working out at uh champions run cause I wanted to be around golf. You know, the one thing that, you know, if there's anything I can say that really drives me to success, at, you know, and it could be a fault too, but it's just, um, just having the belief in yourself, you yeah. know, just, staying confident and not letting the world beat you up too much and um, just having that belief. And so I just kept sticking with it and, uh, and met Steve Graham, who at the time was the coach at Cumberland university. And, 
And I was fortunate enough to get a full scholarship there. And, and Steve quit before I even started. That was another, you know, big difference between an NAI program versus a D1 program. Yeah. You know, you typically get a coach that's there and it's been there long term. I think I had four head coaches at Cumberland University in oh, four wow. years. Um, just very different, you know, and they're so lucky to have Rich now and, and Scott Wilkerson, who's, you know, also helping. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I had Scott my senior year, which is just another great – <laughs> a great guy. No doubt. Um, I remember the first college tournament I had. He drove in at like midnight, gets there. We go out to the holes. Never seen me hit a golf ball before. In the first hole, we start off on this like par three downhill. And I, I can't even remember what it was. But I was like, you know, I think I'm going to hit a seven iron. He's like, got to be the right stick, man. Knock it in the hole. <laughs> He's never seen me hit a ball before. There's <laughs> no clue what's right or wrong, you know. Just But that's Scott. And, um, you know, but when I was at Cumberland, I mean, you got to sleeve a balls in a bag and you know, that was it. That was our college experience. You got a couple shirts and, yeah. um, you know, it's nothing like that now. I mean, they've got, they've, you know, first thing they, they built a really good alumnus program where, you know, you got guys like, um, you know, Taylor porch and myself and, and, uh, Austin Garrett and some of these kids that are able to kind of give back to the program now mm-hmm. that, you know, we've kind of grown up a little bit and yeah. they're, uh, getting ready to, uh, put in their first indoor facility, um, you know, next year, which is, crazy exciting you know yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, which is great coming off what i'm doing being able to help and give back to rich a little bit and hey here's who you need to be talking to here's who you need to see and um so it's been really fun and then obviously scott has a big influence in that with the technology and what they're using and uh but you know i would have killed to have had something like that in college you yeah know, to be able to look back and get access to data like that and know what's going on i mean my lord oh how much things have changed it's just i call it the track man era yeah i mean literally from like what I would say that I got in love with golf, we'll call it 1990, 89, 90, to 2004-ish, every golf swing looked about the same, mm-hmm. right? It was, you know, perfectly in front of the hands and got up to the top and the club face was in line with the, the lead forearm and this club dropped to the inside and, you know. way to do it. That's right. It's the yeah. only way to do it. Like every, you go on the driving range and everybody looked the same. Yeah. And one of the things I always talked about was like, one of the things that happened was like a Trevor Immelman, a Justin Rose. Those are two beautiful golf swings, right? Mm-hmm. But they ju- they practice hitting it straight, right? But what happened was, is under the gun, they didn't know if they were going to miss it left or right. And you'd always hear like Jack Nicholas talk about being able to eliminate half the golf course. Mm-hmm. You know, and he eliminated the left side, Arnold Palmer eliminated the right side. You know, so it wasn't necessarily you had to play a fade or you had to play a draw. Just make sure you one side, you know, the ball's not going. <laughs> But I can't tell you how many times Justin Rose and Trevor Immelman, especially before he got injured. No, yes, they've won major championships. But by that talent level, I would say their number of victories is underachieved. Mm-hmm. Their gifts, right? Yeah. That's not saying that they're not awesome players. I'm just right. like, they're so good. But they, what happened? If you look back early in their careers, how many times they were in contention and they would hit a pull or a block, mm-hmm. straight shot. But they, they, because they didn't know which way it was going to go, they couldn't fend off the trouble. They just took dead aim at the flag yeah. and got themselves in trouble. Well, all of a sudden, it became intriguing. How in the world did Jim Furyk, how can he keep being an ATM machine with that octopus falling out of a tree, yeah. thanks to David Faraday's terminology? Yeah. <laughs> how does that move work? And then all of a sudden, their track band shows up. And all of a sudden, I, just, I, 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 was, I think I was the third person in Tennessee to have a track band. And all of a sudden, I just came into this place of swing as fast as you can. What does that do? Yeah. Six left. Okay. Now, my job is to bend that towards zero, 
knowing that you're going to have a left error, mm-hmm. a left bias. So you're going to be a fader. That's my job is to keep your integ- the integrity of your natural speed, but get it closer to zero so that it's a straighter flight. Well, I let all kinds of motions go as long as they could do it fast and balance it. Mm-hmm. And then I had a huge explosion of players take off because instead of being position bound, like we, we talked about earlier, of being here and then loading in here and then tucking in here and blah, 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 whatever, I was just like, man, let's just rip it. And then my job is to kind of cr- I could crowbar it in one direction or another to head towards zero but keep the, the integrity of their natural motion. And I was, I think I got that in maybe three days. Mm-hmm. I stopped teaching positions and I started teaching directional speed. Yeah. I mean, look at the guys on tour. They're all different now. Kepka, oh. Johnson, Matthew Wolf, Victor Hovland. I mean, it's really cool. And you had some of those guys back in the day, you know, like you like guys like Lee Trevino hit a 40 yard block every, you know, yep. every shot, you know, but they were few and far between. And, um, the guys today are just, it's incredible, but it's all speed. You oh know? yeah. It's, it's, and you know, we were kind of alluding to it earlier, you know, but like Trackman was the first system to really prove that like, Hey, hitting the ball is, you know, putting's important, but all the guys on tour putt great. You know, um, the guys who win sometimes are the guys who put the best that week, mm-hmm. you know, but you can't argue now the guys that are in t- contention over and over are the guys that are hitting at the furthest, you know, other than like, you know, maybe a guy like Colomar Cowell, but he's still swinging at 118, hitting at three feet. You just don't see it because of who he's playing with. Yeah. But he's still bombing the ball. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And like to me, the, the stats show that generally speak, the person who wins puts better than they usually do mm-hmm. that week. Yeah. You know, and I've had so many great. I mean, Pat Sellers is a great storyteller, right? He goes, <laughs> yeah. "Who do you think the worst putter in the tour is?" And almost everybody say VJ Singh, right? I mean, he's got the reverse claw, uh, yeah, yeah, right. And he's like, he'd beat you to death yeah. on the putting green. Yeah, he'd take the best player at your club and absolutely thunder thump him. Yeah, in a in a putting game for money. Yeah, and like, so you have no idea how good these guys are. It's just amazing how good like a Snedeker is mm-hmm. or a Brian Gay. And then you take, I amplify it into like Jack and Tiger, who were able to put out of their mind, probably nervous as they could ever be, mm-hmm. and took it to a whole other level of understanding. And like I've I've done a lot with Sneds, and I, he makes more putts in a day than I make in like a year. It's crazy outside of twenty feet. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that I just saw an, a, from Scott Fawcett and his partner Lou Stagner for a decade. Yeah, Spieth and Snedeker are in their own category of make percentage outside of 20 feet. They're in their own, like, those guys, those two, are so much farther ahead of number three to, like, 100 that it's unbelievable. And Spieth is a little bit higher higher ranked than Sneds, but they make an inordinate amount of putts outside of 20 yeah. feet. They make, I make, like, eight a year. <laughs> Brent makes yeah. 20 a week. Yeah. Like, and you make one over 40 feet and you feel like you won the lottery. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so funny. So as you, as you progress through college and you, and you started probably using golf as a business tool, mm-hmm. you know, how did you feel like golf played a huge role in your success in the business world, not knowing that that's what you were going to be doing when you were 17 years old, just beating balls at champions run? Yeah. I mean, you know, the first thing is just showing up. Got to show up every day. You know, we talk about that a lot. Um, you know, it's nobody's born a great golfer. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of hard work. Right. And, um, and then it's just the self-discipline, you know, on top of that of just, Hey, what works, what doesn't eliminate this and let's go down this right, you know, this road. Um, I know you talk about process a lot, you know, that's 
it's everything, you know, um, process is all of it. And, and, you know, and you just gotta, it, you gotta learn to enjoy the bad times with golf, you yeah, know, cause I mean, sure. and just staying with it too. I mean, that's the thing I love about golf is you can have, you know, you can start off and it's just a train wreck the first four holes. And then all of a sudden some just little bitty thing clicks and, you know, next thing you know, you rip off eight birdies and you shoot a couple under par and you're like, man, how in the world did that happen? You know? And, um, so it's just, it, it's, I don't know. I feel like golf is life. It's like you, you're, you're, it's four and a half hours of looking at yourself in the mirror, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've, uh, it's a constant battle in your head, physically, mentally, you know, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I think that's what makes the game so great. And I think that's what makes, uh, you know, like all these names we've talked about, you know, locally growing up here, watching all these great golfers and they're still doing so well in business too. Cause yeah. I mean, it's just so much of the same fundamentals and foundation that you can just transition into the business world. Um, but then on top of that too, you're going to meet a lot of great people and, Man, that's the king. And that and that's it. You know, I mean, there's nothing better than going playing out with, you know, a couple buddies. But then at the same time, you know, it's great. Uh, one of the things I've loved about the sanctuary is just meeting all these new people that just love the game of golf and and watching all these people just connect over, you know, that common language, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, Billy Ollie joke, you know, it's like connecting people on a game that they mostly love. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> right. you know, it's, it's amazing. You almost got to love to hate it first and... And because it'll just beat you down, you know, but, th but so does business. So does life. Right. Yeah. So uh, you just got to roll with those punches, just like the golf course. Learn how to embrace the struggle and yeah. know that the struggle is actually part of the road mm -hmm. to your success. Yeah. It's it just like when you're 16 years old, you don't think that you're, it's supposed to be this tough to get to where you're going. Yeah. Uh, got some bad news for you kids. Yeah. It's <laughs> 10 times harder than you think it is. <laughs> yeah. 10 times harder. <laughs> yeah. Minimum. Yeah. You know, and then the other thing I think too, you know, it's great about golf is it allows you to kind of like stop and enjoy it a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, you know, like as, as going through building the sanctuary out, I mean, there were so many hurdles and so many walls we had to run through and it was way harder than I ever anticipated. But, you know, but looking back, like that was the fun part, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, the journey of going through all that and growing is that's the fun part, you yeah. know, and, and golf is, is a great way to kind of teach you that. Cause you get to go back and see, you know, it's, you know, um, I always grew up, you just want to win everything. <laughs> you know, it's not a reality in golf at all, that's but, right. um, you know, but you don't ever, you, you just, it's always, it's constantly focused on, you know, winning right now. Like every shot is the most important shot you've ever hit in your life. And, uh, and you lose, you can really easily lose that, that fun part of looking back at the journey. And, and now as I'm older, I look back and I'm like, man, this is, <laughs> this is the best times of my life. No you know? kidding. So, so true. Well, as you, as you get ready, as you just had your, t yesterday was your first day that you were open 24 hours. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's a, Huge, that's a big deal. Cause you're, you're big a, milestone, big milestone. And I love the idea that you have there for that because that's going to be critical for a lot of people, mm -hmm. right? Where, like, as you see it evolving, what are some of the the future milestones that you're visioning the golf sanctuary to be, so that you know when people are listening, they can visualize like what it is that you're visualizing, and how they can intermingle with each other to you know create better a better situation for everybody yeah i mean i think the biggest milestone for us right now is just you know or the next big milestone is really um you know filling the club up and getting it you know getting it full to where we can really start driving community and culture which is a big thing we talk about all the time um you know i kind of look at track mans from a social standpoint kind of like pool tables you know I, i've got a nice one i changed diapers on it and mm -hmm. uh, wrap christmas presents on my pool table you know and <laughs> and with two kids under four occasionally i get a play pool on it you know and yep. um 
you know, no one really likes playing golf by themselves. You know, it's, it's definitely a community sport, right? So, so, you know, getting the club filled and getting all those people in there and getting them interacting, hosting events, you know, which is, I'm really excited for Sean, you know, to, to start putting on these great events. Cause I know he loves them so much and, yeah, and that'll be a huge, you know, part for us. And, uh, and then I think the next step is kind of building that community um, further, not just on a local scale, but on a global scale. You know, TrackMan's got some really exciting things that they're about to launch. And um, I'm really excited about some of the things that we'll be able to do, uh, you know, with indoor facilities out of, you know, Ireland or out of, um, you know, Japan and some of those exciting things that we can do uh, to where we can really grow the community just on a significantly larger scale. Yeah. So. And it's it's really like that's something that literally five years ago was not even it wasn't even possible. Yeah, in my mind. Yeah, like it wasn't possible knowing what I know then that I know now. It wasn't possible to be a high end teacher using TrackMan indoor only mm-hmm. when it was the TrackMan three. Mm-hmm. Because when when I was working at West Haven, they that we had that winter kill and it killed the grass on the driving range, and we had to close the driving range. For, I think it was ten weeks. Wow! So we had a net that caught all the balls right off, the, right out of the teaching facility, and the numbers that we got from the from the ball hitting the net and falling down were not doable. Yeah, I'm like, wow, this is so. When this job came of available here at Ensworth, the idea of me never being outside and watching balls get hit and they fly twelve feet. And it being accurate was a foreign concept, and it really freaked me out. Yeah. And then when TrackMan 4 came out, and they had the double Doppler, one for the ball and one for the head, so to speak. And I was like, so I remember we had, we had a bunch of good players on the team. So we everybody hit, like, sand wedge, seven iron, a four iron, and a driver here. And then we went to Harpeth Valley, which is our outdoor yeah. facility. Over at Smoot's place. Great over, place. At, over at Smootville. And we hit, we hit on, the drive, on the driving range, and the numbers were the same. Yeah. And I went, oh, my goodness. Yeah, what a relief. What a relief. <laughs> this is unbelievable. You yeah. know, for a guy who's had, you know, skin cancer, mm-hmm. and I've had like 47, you know, sunspots carved off my hand. Probably got about five more when I got mine next yeah. week, right? You know, I don't need to be out in the sun that much anymore. And I was like, golly, I can be inside, get great data. The learning environment's way more contained mm-hmm. now. We don't have to go, no, no picking range balls, no cleaning range balls. All you have to do is just kind of move the bucket over, scrape up, <laughs> pull, pull up back in the, there's a lot of, there's a lot of benefit to this. Yeah. And that's why I think that the, the you know, it's top golf played a huge role in this Absolutely. as well, right? Just the experience that is not normal golf, mm-hmm. but you're still falling in love with the sport in a, in a different environment. But like top golf is like, a very great introductory mm-hmm. place. And then, then the golf course itself is the actual real deal. Yeah. And then somewhere in between is this new simulator version, yep. which is, it's a little more serious. Mm-hmm. It's a little more information. It's not outdoor, but it's not a party like top golf, mm-hmm. but it's a good time. It's a more controlled, good time. Maybe yeah. a better way to put it. And it's, it has a, it has a more of a luxury feel when it's, when it's done like the way well, you guys have done it for sure. Yeah. That's the that's the future. That's my opinion. This is where the future of golf is heading. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I have a hard time calling it the future of golf because I definitely see golf. This being a great extension of golf. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's seventy two degrees outside, I'm I'm going to play outside every day, right? Um, hundred out of hundred times. Um, you know, but 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, Top Golf is. I think I was it like they brought in 10 million new golfers in 2020 uh, that had never picked up a golf club before. Yeah, um, and then it was something like two and a half million of those golfers um, wanted to have a second experience golf outside of Top Golf. Something, um, but I think they, I think they worded it as like an alternative golf version, whether it's like a lighted range or a lighted. Um, wedge facility or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, but, you know, it's been great for the game. I mean, but at the same time, you know, for me, Top Golf was a little bit of a letdown versus what I wanted it to be. You know, I remember when Nashville first got it, I was so excited about it. And, um, you know, for a golfer, it's just not, um, it's not that experience, it's, right? It's, it's a it, little too bowling alley. It's a little too bowling alley. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. But it's great. I love taking my wife there and her friends. It's fun for them. And um, and that's not to say that I haven't had some good times there. I know that uh, me and uh, I think it was like seven of us that all played college golf together all went out there. And, and you know, it got really competitive really fast. And, oh, and, yeah. that, and that was fun. You, know? you just have to know what it is and, right. and keep your expectation levels within that. Yeah, that's right. But it, at the very beginning, Top Golf was such a buzz that you – had the build up and you're like wait a second this yeah is, this is it's like all your buddies that talk about like a comedy like a you know some sort of comedy movie and then by the time you watch it your expectations are so high you're like eh, it's not even funny <laughs> you <laughs> know exactly right you know but then after the 10th time you watch it, you're like yeah it's pretty good that's, you know yeah, yeah that's so, exactly right um but yeah no i mean you know i think what we're doing is 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 really cool i think it's a you know i think it's huge for for juniors and and getting introduced to the game um, in a way that was completely different than the way I was introduced to the game. Sure. You know, every Saturday, uh, you know, I take I have a four year old, a two and a half year old. We go hit golf balls over dinosaurs. Now we got some new game called the Pond Game, where you can hit with all these magical creatures and stuff. And for them, it's so interactive. Like they get so excited about it. You know, my dad lives on a golf course, and um, I try to get them excited by going to the driving range, and they just they hate it. It's like herding raccoons while I'm out there. Oh yeah, you know? and now sure. it's like, hey, I can put you in a little box and a suite and. Um, you know, and you can interact with the game and it's just far more engaging. You know, I can, there, you know, a four year old's attention span is like, like seven seconds, maybe, yeah. you know, if, if you're the lucky, yeah, one. if you're lucky, you know, and, <laughs> and, um, so being able to get them involved in something where they're, um, you know, it's not just golf. Right. Yeah. And so that's the, you know, that's the thing for me is, is it's just a, such a, an incredible way to really, uh, grow the game differently than the way, you know, it was presented to me for sure. One of the most important parts, as it, certainly as it pertains to the feedback that I get from the show, is a piece on perseverance. And not, if you're judging your life from the trajectory it was when you were a teenager all the way up to where you are now, everybody thinks it looks like a straight shot up the hill, but it's actually uh, a jagged <laughs> line of ups and downs. Yeah. What was that one thing that you persevered through that you didn't know you were going to be able to make it through, but once you made it through, it steeled your resolve knowing you could take on anything? Whew. Um... You know, I think that's a great question. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of it. You know, I mean, I think, um, you know, trauma is a good thing. You know, I mean, it really is. Um, you know, I can say in my golf career, it was getting cut uh, at Cumberland University. Or, I mean, at, uh, at UT Chattanooga. Um, it was miserable for like a month, you yeah. know. and um, but then it just let me know that I wasn't where I needed to be and I just had to go work harder, you mm-hmm. know, and then being able to kind of make that climb, uh, was the best thing that probably ever happened to my golf game. Really? Yeah. Um, you know, professionally it was probably commercial insurance. Um, you know, I started at Dell really right out of school. Um, great experience, uh, transitioned over into the auto world 
absolutely crushed it. It was so easy. Uh, went into commercial insurance, which is something completely different animal, and it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. So, Interesting. You know, it was just, it's, you know, you're trying to create relationships out of thin air about something that uh, somebody has, you know, um, they absolutely do not want to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, like it is just, yeah. it's not a fun conversation for, for an individual or a business, right? Yeah. You know, yet at the same time, it's, you know, employee benefits is the typically the second largest item on a P&L for a company. Um, but it always goes up. You hate paying for it. You got to do it. You're forced to do it, you yeah. know, for some of these bigger companies. And it's just, it's a painful topic. Nobody wants to talk about it, you know? So trying to get, trying to create engagement and, 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 um, you know, doing it with something that nobody wants to, you know, talk about. It's really, really difficult, uh, especially when there's just this absurd amount of noise out into the marketplace, oh, you yeah. know, and nobody really knows the difference between up and down and what's going to work for them and what's not going to work for them. And uh, it was, it's, it was really hard, you know, and then you've got some other battles, you know, I was fortunate enough to work with a great team over at Hub International, uh, putting together the first uh, Pathway to Association Health Plan, you know, and we spent bukus of money and bukus of time trying to get this thing off the ground and we're able to do so in uh tennessee with the uh, tennessee realtors association and and then we try to go drop this model everywhere else in the country and and we were like oh man this is gonna be easy pickings you know and and, <laughs> and it was easy getting them on board you know but then you had to work with their you know the state department of insurance and how they interpreted things and you know i learned real quickly that law is not necessarily how it reads it's the interpretation of <laughs> <laughs> whatever agency, you know, is writing that yeah, law. And, interesting. Um, and so it was, you know, it was, a, it was learned a lot, you know, and then, um, and then on my birthday in 2019, they deemed what our team was doing illegal. And that was a, just a shot in the gut. And, wow. and it really came down to just politics. You know, we went up, we were fortunate enough to go up to DC and um, talk with some folks in the Senate. And, you know, we found out really quickly that one, they don't know how health insurance works and, and, too, nor do they really care. You know, it was more about, you know, the left likes it or the right likes it or the right hates it or the left hates it and we're against it, you know, yeah. and it's very eye opening. And, wow. um, but a great life lesson, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think, uh, but I think that was another one of those big hurdles, you know, and it really kind of pushed me to transition what I was doing because, you know, for me, it was like, man, you know, I'm beating my head against this wall, um, you know, trying to create something and it's not even really something that I, that I enjoy. You yeah. know, it's like, if I'm going to work this hard and I'm going to try to push something across the finish line like that, like I want it to be, you know, something that, that I care about, sure. you know, and that I'm passionate about. And, mm -hmm. and so the golf sanctuary has kind of given me that outlet, right. Where, you know, I'm not really scared of walls or hurdles anymore because, you know, I care about it enough that I'm willing to go through that wall. Yeah. You know, and I think that's the, you know, you hear people say all the time, do it, do what you love. And, you know, really the reason they say it, or at least I feel like it, my interpretation is, is because you're going to be willing to go further than the person that doesn't love it, you yeah, know, and you're going to sure. be willing to jump those hurdles and run through those walls that other people won't because they may not like it as much as you do. That's you great. know, and I think that's a, speaks exactly to what golf is, right? Like there's hurdles and walls every round, yeah. you know, and, and if you don't love it and you don't care about it, then you know, you're not going to be as successful as the guy next to you who's willing to, to, you know, do whatever it takes, right? Yeah. Um, what is that guy's name? Uh, Trevor Moad or Travis Moad. You know, it takes what it takes, right? Like, yep. if you love it, you're willing to, to do whatever it takes. You know, yep. if you don't, um, you're going to make sacrifices that are going to cost you. Yeah, the, the champions are the hungriest. Yeah. And the hungriest are the ones that are the passionate. Yep. So those two things feed each other. 
And if you don't have it, everything has to be going good for you to keep going. Yeah. Because as soon as you get that first kick in the teeth, you're quick to pull back the yeah. reins a little bit. And yeah. that's not what it takes. you got to lean into the tr- trouble, and that takes a level of passion and dedication that an unwilling soldier, so to speak, isn't willing to do. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. Um, you know, and you see that in business, and you see that in, in, in all of sport. You yeah, know? for sure. Um, which is why I love sports so much, not just golf. I mean, I love it all because – you know what those guys are sacrificing and you know what they're going through and you know those battles that they're fighting every day. And, and a lot of them are just inner, especially with golf, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> there's nobody else to blame. That's right. It's you, you know? And, and right, we're in an this very unique place where we're watching the greatest extend their career longer than ever before. Mm-hmm. Part of that's, you know, with the advancement and understanding how to, you know, recover Mm-hmm. your body recovery both through sleep and through rest and you know getting your body to be repaired but like when you think about the level of dedication that a michael jordan a kobe bryant lebron tom brady tiger woods mm-hmm. i mean the idea that tiger woods won the masters in 2019 is literally unfathomable it's to unfathomable me. yeah i mean i'm i mean i get ridiculed all the time because i i was on i did radio for 17 years and i swore him off me too there's no, it ain't happening. He couldn't drive it on the face of the earth. He'd got the chipping yips. I've never seen anybody overcome the chipping yips, yeah. especially at that level. Yep. And like, and, and he wins. I'm and like, he wins. I'm like, <laughs> only I, Tiger, <laughs> only Tiger. And, yeah. But I mean, where do what like the level of dedication that Tiger and Kobe, like Tiger and Kobe to me, and Michael Jordan too, and Tom Brady. Yeah. They take it to a level that's uncomfortable to the next level of player. Mm-hmm. They're not willing to sacrifice what they were willing to sacrifice to get there. Like I see Rory look at Tiger mm-hmm. and I'm like I don't want that life. Yeah, I see the same thing. I agree completely. So Rory's kind of like you know I'm not I don't have to win 83 times and win 19 majors to be considered to be happy. Mm-hmm. I want to play great golf, be as best as I can be, but I still like the idea that if I don't have my hat on, I can kind of go to the movies if I want. Mm-hmm. Tiger can't go anywhere. Mm-mm. Michael Jordan can't go anywhere. Certainly, it makes it more obvious when you're a basketball player because you're, you're six, six seven. seven. Yeah, yeah you know, it's <laughs> different. But like Rory can blend in kind of quick. Mm-hmm. You know, some musicians can blend in kind of quick. A lot of football players can. Yeah, you know, wear a helmet. Nobody knows who they are. That's right? exactly right. You know, but you know, Kobe. Kobe walks in. You're like, That's Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. You know, it's obvious. And. I, don't, I just think that he, Rory gave it away when he said he was trying to go out to dinner with Tiger. And Tiger's like, I can't do that. He's like, what yeah. are you talking about, man? It's your own restaurant. He goes, you don't understand. Yeah. And he's like, it's your own restaurant and you still can't go? And I'm like, no, I can't. Yeah. Well, I don't want that life. And I'm like, well, there, there's a perfect example of the difference between the people that are always considered to be the greatest of all time and the next level. Why didn't that person ever get there? They weren't willing to sacrifice that, and which is fine. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's the line. Yeah, and you know, me and Sean talk about it a lot at, at the sanctuary about um, you know these younger guys that see Tiger and see some of the things like as a flaw. You know, is like, hey, you know, he's you know a lot of people can view Tiger as um, as one of those outliers where it's the wrong way to do it. You know, um, but for me, he he's a winner. You know, yeah. the same thing with Kobe, right? He's a winner. You know, uh, Jordan, you know, it's, uh, I heard Shaq the other day make a comment about Kobe. He said, I never really respected to him until I said, you made the comment, there's no I in team. And Kobe responded with me, you know, but there is a me. And, you know, for him, it's like, he's a part of a team, you know, especially in basketball, which golf is completely different. But, um, 
you know, he holds himself accountable to a degree in which no one else does. Yeah. You know, and, and same thing with Tiger, you know, I mean, nobody's born a great golfer. Tiger goes out and he works harder than anybody. You know, it's like, uh, there's a great, uh, interview with John Daly and, you know, John's talking, you know, and John's such a great storyteller too, oh, yeah. you know, and he's talking about, you know, his experience with Tiger and how he's sitting at the bar and, you know, he sees Tiger go out and he's hitting balls and then he comes back and he's like, Hey, have a drink with us. And he's like, ah, oh, no, man, you know, I gotta get my second set range session in. And then he comes back in and John's still sitting at the bar and he's like, you know, Hey, why don't you come have a drink? Ah, I gotta go work out, you know? So he's, you know, he's so focused on his goals. He doesn't even care what yours are. Doesn't he, your goals, your game, no, that even matters. You yeah. know? I mean, he's just, you know, you gotta, you know, their philosophy, which I love is just like, be so good that only your goals matter. You yeah. know, I mean, it doesn't matter what they think or or uh, what their goals are because you know it's almost like they're beneath you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. but that was their philosophy. You know, and it worked. I mean, yeah. Tiger, well, coming off the 18th green, Daly was talking to Tiger and, and the, the, basically a similar story yeah. because I'm just not as good as you, John. Yeah, I can't get away with your lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. with my little bit of talent. Yeah, you can win major championships and. <laughs> Doing yeah. that, and I can't even. I probably can't even stay on the tour. Yeah, with this, with your lifestyle. Yeah, John's a little different too. John's, John's a, different. Too, yeah. <laughs> John's a little different too. So it's very interesting. Yeah, great guy though. So oh, my, yeah, he's, get uh, the shirt off. You're like literally one yeah. of the most interesting human beings because to people that don't ever get to meet him, they would probably put him into a negative pile mm -hmm. of you know alcoholic, had some issues, multiple issues with his anger and how he dealt with things, blah, blah, blah. But if you get around that guy, he is as giving and as caring and as kind as anybody I have ever met. Big old teddy bear. Big old teddy just We're willing yeah. to do anything yeah. to help people. And it just lets people, like, another for me, I hated the Yankees and I was never a big A-Rod fan, right? So I go to Baker's Bay as our guest instructor. And it was 2015. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach Alex Rodriguez for four hours. And I'm like, oh, God. Hey, Rod. <laughs> Truly one of the greatest people I've ever yeah. had a chance to meet. And I went in thinking, nightmare. Yeah. Nightmare. Absolutely, totally engaging. And, and now, you know, we follow each other on, on social media. And it's really cool to know that I spent four hours with... One of the best baseball players of all time. Yeah. Argue, you know, argue you know, how he got there. Everyone, yeah. But at the end of the day, but he could he could play, and I totally let the how the media wanted to show him mm -hmm. impact who I thought he was, and I stopped doing like that was the day that I stopped doing anything as it became to judging somebody until I met him myself. Yeah, because that was like I just remember like I'm going to teach who. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, really? So, and it turned out to be one of the best things that's yeah, ever happened. that wild? It's so funny. So funny. Well, the second half of the show is based on the things you do to recharge your batteries. Okay. And historically speaking, they have been things that bring a lot of like-minded people together mm -hmm. to share in a moment, which is why music, football, baseball, sporting events, yeah. theater, and family events are the things that are almost always synonymous with recharge. Mm -hmm. So when you were growing up, what were your favorite musical acts bands and who are they now um you know when i was growing up i was a i was a 90s kid man i loved rock and roll um loved it all and um wasn't a big live music guy that wasn't really just part of my life mm -hmm. um i was so involved in sports playing baseball basketball golf um 
you know, that was really what I was passionate about. So a lot of that, you know, was my escape, you know, um, wasn't a big fan of school. Um, you know, it was more of like competing. I loved competing, you Mm -hmm. know, and kind of like I was saying earlier, you know, golf course was my sanctuary. Competing is, was my favorite thing. And that was my escape, you know, it was my way to block out the world. And the only thing that mattered was beating that guy, Yeah, you know? So, um, but for me, you know, recharging recovery now is completely different <laughs> than, yeah. you know, being a high school, college kid, you know, now I've got two little girls and a beautiful wife and, um, spending time with them is really, you know, the way for me to kind of bring it back down to earth and, mm-hmm. um, you know, worry about the important things, yeah. you know, I mean, granted it's holiday season, so it's, <laughs> you know, it's all about that, right? Yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, and, right. um, but you know, getting to spend time with my family is, you know, I've got a great family, very fortunate and, um, spending with time with them is, uh, you know, they're always good to put me in check and, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we all need a counterbalance. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's it for me. Um, and then, you know, football, I'm a huge football fan. Who were your favorite uh, athletes when you were growing up? <sighs> so as a kid, it was Todd day. He was the uh, all-time leading scorer for Arkansas yeah. in basketball. Uh, loved Todd day. 40 minutes of hell. Yeah. 40 minutes of hell. Loved it. I was uh, very fortunate to grow up in the 90 to 95 era where, you know, it was just full court press, um, create total chaos. And, and, uh, and now it's fun to actually see the, the Arkansas basketball program, um, you know, with Musselman coming back around, it's it's awesome. I love yeah. it. And then football, I mean, it's been a great sports year for me. I mean, uh, Arkansas won eight games this year. That's like, uh, it's got to be some kind of miracle. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and uh, with basketball, kind of the same way, you know, top top 15 team now. And, um, you know, but I like I said in the beginning, I just love sports. You know, it's just, I love the idea of competing. It's To me, it's like the true test. And, mm. um, and, and you almost get to like see into someone's soul, right? Yep. So, um, so I love it. You know, Titans are, love my Titans and, and I love watching them play. Um, they age you, they age you. They're painful to watch sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, you know, it's never just a, you know, we've got a group that we watch it every Sunday, you know, and, um, or try to, and, and, uh, you know, you always know you're going to, you always know it's going to be entertaining. You know, you never have to worry about a blowout. You yeah. Know? It's like ever. ever, you know, it's going to be come down to a field goal or this or that, or it's, you know, somehow you magically beat the the Rams in LA when you have no business doing it, you know? And, yeah. Uh, but I think that speaks volume of their coaching. I mean, you know, Vrabel's, I'm a big fan of Vrabel and John, Rob, John yeah. Robinson. I mean, those guys have definitely elevated the, uh, elevated the team, uh, the whole franchise, which for is sure. really cool to watch. Um, you know, and then it's, you know, Todd Downing, I think, has done a really good job. Doesn't necessarily get, you know, all the props coming off Arthur Smith. But, I mean, look what that guy's doing with, you know, I mean, f- practice squad guys and four stringers. and God, no I mean, kidding. it's crazy what the team's doing right now. And um, I think I saw the other day it's like 85 starters they've had or something. 86. Like, yeah, 86. They just crushed the record. Yeah, just And we're not it. even done because they just have another guy go out uh, yeah. yesterday. yeah. I mean, it's just one after the other, and they just keep adapting, though. But, I mean, you know, I think that's that, that Patriot kind of franchise model, right? Where 100%. Just, yeah. And Vrabel played tight end in some yeah. situations, even yeah. though he was a linebacker. And yeah. had that Troy Brown played cornerback. He was one of the best wide receivers on the team. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do. I saw a quote by Brady that was saying, you know, what do you feel about Brady? Because you know, I think Vrabel's got, what, like uh, 
10 catches for nine touchdowns or something like that. <laughs> and uh, he says, uh, you know, he's like your typical just drama wide receiver. <laughs> That's what he called him. <laughs> Dramatic wide receiver, you know. Um, oh, that's so good. So good. But, you know, it's, uh, but it's a great, you know, I mean, I just, you respect it. You know, yeah. I mean, you respect that kind of leadership and that, you know, because you know they're doing a lot of right things. When you can have four stringers come up and um, and compete at a high level. And, uh, you know, and I heard Vrabel make a quote the other day that was something along the lines of like, it's just so much you know, you hate to see your guys go down, but it's so much fun, you know, watching these guys get to take this opportunity and try to do something with yeah. it, you know? Uh, and I just think that's a great, you know, got to be a great atmosphere to, to, you know, play and compete in. For sure. It's interesting, like that Hilliard guy, unheard of, goes 161. Yeah. And then a guy who's washed up, according to the Falcons, Deontay Foreman, yeah. also gets goes over 100. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, man, they just they just know how to pull out the right people at the right yep. at the right time. And it also shows you how good Belichick is to give up 200 and however many yards rushing and still win a game. Yeah, that's and win it by handily. <laughs> yeah, handily. Yeah, just so crazy. God, no kidding. Favorite movie? Favorite uh, movie? Man, that's tough. Um, you know, this may be a little embarrassing to say. I've 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 gone through like three VHS cassettes as a kid watching Top Gun. <laughs> Yeah. My uh, my granddad was one of the first jet fighter pilots, and uh, he took me into the movie theater at two years old to watch that movie. And uh, oh. so, for whatever reason, you know, it hung on. And um, I love some Top Gun, but um, love golf movies. Tin Cup uh, is definitely a favorite. You know, um, but I'm mostly a comedy guy. I just like comedies. You know, it kind of just it's a way to escape a little bit, have a good laugh. Yep. You know, the world can be so serious and. And it's always fun to just see something ridiculous. So, yeah, like to me, Wedding Crashers took yeah. it to a whole new level. Yeah. I had no idea what to expect when <laughs> yeah. I went to see that. And I, it's still to this day, there's like four or five parts of that movie. I got to stop, yeah. and let myself catch my breath because I'm in tears. I'm yeah. laughing so hard. Yeah, Wedding Crashers is great. That whole little like air right there was awesome, right? You know, you had like Talladega Nights, old school Wedding Crashers. Yeah. I mean, it was all just, those were great. I love so, Vince Vaughn. Yeah. I love Vince Vaughn's yeah. delivery. Yeah, he's my, <laughs> so good. He's my favorite. Love yeah, that guy. he's great. We, uh, we watched four christmases every year that was my life for a while um <laughs> you know still haven't done the uh just ditch all of christmas and, and go to the bahamas every year which would you know maybe be nice but um but yeah he's great so and then uh and then we love christmas movies too it's always fun you know that time of the year oh yeah i'm gonna watch elf you know elf is is the jam and then uh my new favorite one is uh, Office Christmas Party with uh, Jason Bateman and oh, I'm not, Jennifer Aniston. It. Oh, God, it's great. I mean, it's it's a lot. It's aggressive, but <laughs> but, <laughs> check it but it's fun. So I'll have to check it out. Yeah. When you think of traveling, like where are the, some of the favorite places you've traveled in the in the world? Um, Cabo's amazing. Um, yeah, I love Cabo's. Yeah, great. love Cabo. Um, I got to go to Portland, Oregon, a couple years ago, which was a really interesting experience. Um, was able to play, um, God, now I can't remember the, was it the witch and done in Jamaica? No. in uh, Portland, uh-huh. um, where tiger won his last USAM, uh, Witch hollow oh, or pumpkin Ridge and pumpkin. it's witch and the witch. And yes. anyways, mm-hmm. but we got to actually play the golf course at tiger one. And that was just one of the a really cool experience. Good golf course. Great golf course. So much fun. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I judge golf courses by how many golf clubs do you have to hit? Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, a lot of the golf courses you play, you hit it's driver, wedge, driver, wedge, driver, nine iron. All the par threes are the same, you know. And um, there you get a, you know, you can hit a lot of them. Um, but yeah, no, I love DC. Almost, 
went to DC for the first time with my wife uh, on our five year anniversary, and uh, my oldest daughter Gray was like a nine months old or eight months old, and and uh, by the time we left, I was already looking at job opportunities in DC. I loved it so much. Wow, so big fan of DC, and. You know, other than Dallas is great. I mean, there's so many great places in the U.S. I mean, that's, we're very fortunate to be yeah. able to kind of take a two-hour flight and you can be in something completely different experience than, you know, Tennessee, For which sure. is kind of like a bubble, really, you know, yeah. especially where we're at. And um, So it's really cool just to see all the different cultures, and, and it's really neat to be able to do that just right here in the States. And uh, But I'm a big fan of warm weather, not a big fan of cold weather. <laughs> you know, I don't really get north of the Mason-Dixon line after, like... <laughs> between September and March. You got that right. Yeah, not a big fan. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I try. I typically try to travel where there's nice golf courses. I yeah, like that's it. typically where I try to go. So, Just Give me your top five golf courses you've ever played. Whew, honors. Um, I would say the honors. Pumpkin Ridge was pretty special. Um... I love the golf club of Tennessee. We were talking about mm-hmm. it, you know, before we hopped on here. I think that's a really special place. And you know, it's this is a basic one, but I mean, I've played so many rounds. I just Old Fort is just a, holds a special place in my heart. It's a really good, and, really, um, really good golf course. Yeah, it just brings back all the, the nostalgic feels every time I'm down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, I would probably say Colonial Country Club. You know, mm. it was really cool. Yeah. Um, Pinehurst. I've gotten to play like six of the Pinehurst, Pinehurst courses that were, I mean, they're all, I remember the first time I got to play number one, you know, that was a really special moment. Yeah. And, you know, the golf course is, uh, you know, okay. Yeah. Um, but just to think about like the people, you know, the ground you're walking on and the people that have been there and mm-hmm. uh, being a little bit of a golf nut, it was. Have you played two? I haven't played two. Every time I've gotten to go has been like January, February, and I refuse to play number two um, in those conditions. So yeah. I'm going to go when it's – I can get out there in the summer, and and I've played a little bit. You know, usually playing in January and February until, you know, you have this crazy cool place called the Golf Sanctuary, if you've ever heard of it. Yeah. Um, you know, now it's like, you know, winter golf. It's I, I didn't want to go out there and play number two after playing two yeah. rounds for three months. And, That's right. Um, it's, and then the time we were out there, the – and I – I regret it now, but you know, we got a, we were out there and we got to play, uh, six and eight. Um, and it was the last year before they remodeled too, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I wish I would have played. We kind of pushed it off just because <clears throat> it was a lot of different reasons, but, um, mostly snow. <laughs> like we like played six and eight and then and it was perfect. It was like 65, 70 degrees. And we talked about staying an extra day and playing two and, um, Man, like the next day there was like six inches of snow on the ground. It was crazy. Wow. You know, and so and then we got stuck there. Couldn't get out of there uh for for like three days. Wow. Yeah, stuck at Pinehurst and couldn't play golf. Oh, that's torture. <laughs> it's torture. Oh man. So I played there this year in a tournament. Okay. Number two. Uh I played two, four, and eight. So and the one that's redone by Gil Hands, which is phenomenal. Yeah. I'll put Pinehurst number two in the very rare classification of with Augusta National and Royal County down as the hardest golf courses I have ever played yeah. while still being fair. Yeah. I was so and, and you know, Augusta National does it with slope and and Royal yeah. County Down does it with blind tee shots and extremely challenging tee shots. Mm-hmm. The approach shots at Pinehurst number two 
are in their own level of yeah. difficulty that's so hard to talk about unless you've actually experienced hitting a shot that lands two feet from the hole and your next shot is literally an impossible <laughs> shift that you hope to keep on the green. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, to, to me, my, I shot 75 and I started double-double and I didn't even hit a bad shot yet. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I'll never forget, I'm sitting on the third tee, I'm looking at my guys on the team, and I'm like, guys, I'm going to shoot 100. Yeah. Because I'm going to hit some bad shots. <laughs> and I haven't even hit a bad shot yet, and I'm four over through two, I'm shooting 100. Yeah, I kind of feel like that about the honors. The honors is just so dang hard. I mean, Once it went from bent greens to Bermuda greens, yeah. and without them reshaping, you mentioned what Gil does to this, because mm-hmm. they're going to close it for a while, and he's yep. going to, they have to, because it's so hard yeah. now that it's, it's almost like when it was bent, it was fun. Yeah. But now, Matt, go there. I forget. I, the last time I played there, I hold out on 18 from the bunker to shoot 79. Yeah. And, I, and then we ate lunch and went to Lookout Mountain, and I shot 69. Yeah. And I probably a little bit worse at Lookout Mountain than I did at the Honors. And I'm like, it's that much harder. Yeah. And Lookout's weird, too. That's a weird golf course. I mean, it's fun to play. Yeah. You know, but it's not like... <laughs> It's not easy. It's, not it's optical easy. illusion. Yeah, it's like a total optical illusion. <laughs> not an optical um, illusion. Yeah, but no, the honors, I mean, I've had my first five putt, at, first and only five putt at the honors. I mean, that place is just, it's brutal. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, but I, you know, I kind of like what you're saying with Piner. It's fair. Like, yep, it's nothing. It's right in front of you. Right in front of you. Yeah, nothing. It's not trying to fool you. You know, it's just beat your brains out. Yeah, so there's a there's a very talented player plays at UT now. He's from Dixon, Hunter Walcott. He's the okay. son of former tour player. Oh, Bob yeah, Walcott, yeah, Bob, right? yeah. So the last time I played there, which is the day that I shot 79, we go out with Hunter. And he is a freshman at UT. And so I'm there with former tour player Stuart Smith yeah. and his son. So we go out there, and I play pretty good, shoot 79. And he shot the most ha, ha, 66 that yeah. you can – and I'm like, and he looks like he's the golfer's version of LeBron. He's gigantic, yeah. 6'4", broad shoulders, long arms, the easiest 353 wood you've ever seen in your yeah. life. And I'm like, they're like, at the new level of where high performance golf is, to see how good these kids are, mm-hmm. while you're actually still feeling like you're playing a good round of golf, is humbling when the when the the difficulty of the golf course elevates itself. It is staggering to yeah. know that I played. You know, I've played with him a handful of times, and at his home golf course in Greystone, and he beat me, but not by much, maybe yeah. two. And you go out there, and I play good, and he plays good, and he beats me by thirteen. And I'm like, wow, the difference is so staggering. Yeah, I got a. I was fortunate enough, so uh, at the honors actually, and. um I was in the car business working a gabillion hours a week, not playing golf anymore. Maybe had played like twice in a year and a half. Uh, went from playing like 250 rounds a year to like one or two, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so I'd probably, I, I'd maybe played six or eight rounds in the last like three years. And we go out to the honors and, and my buddy comes up and he's like, Hey man, and, I, and I'm on the driving range. And I mean, I, for whatever reason, I am hitting it so good. I have no idea. As good as I can hit it, go over to the putting green, make like everything I'm looking at. And my buddy comes up and he's like, Hey man, I got a treat for you today. And I was like, Oh yeah, cool. I mean, we're at the honors. It's already pretty awesome. You know what else is going on? He's like, Hey, you're going to play with the current U.S. amateur champ, Stephen Fox. And you know, and I'm diehard competitor. I'm like, well, you know, I've never, I've never beat the hell out of a U.S. amateur champ. So today's going to be the day. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, those are, 
It was really cool. I mean, he, uh, I can't even remember what I shot and we played the tips. We tipped it out there and I mean, I sh- 80 something and, and it was the easiest 67 I ever saw in my life. Yeah. You know I mean? And it, it did nothing special, right? Like, mm-hmm. just like you were talking about, just ho-hum, yeah. yawn. Um, there's two up and downs he made that were, that were pretty jaw dropping. Yeah. Um, you know, where he's just in a trash can and flops it up there to like six inches and taps it in. And, yeah. He's so uh, I taught him for a while. Yeah. And, uh, so first of all, super guy. Yeah, great kid. And I'm not kidding anymore. He wasn't yeah, that, but, but, yeah. but I mean, just insanely talented from hundred yards and in. Unbelievable. Off the chart good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude, that we don't have to put your wedge over there. We don't have to worry about it. I'm not touching your wedge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's bring that diesel out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's put that ball in play. Yeah, but yeah, no, that was great. I mean, he hit I mean, it was just fairway, fairway, fairway. And he, you know, when he got a chance to score, he did. I mean, um, you know, I watched Grant Lever one time down at Dancing Rabbit, also two really good golf courses yeah. down there. Um, you know, but I watched Grant Lever one day shoot, I think he was 68 or 67 in his first Hooters event, and he won. First Hooters event wins. Um, but same thing. Like, you just, you wouldn't have said anything was special about that round, and he just beat the brakes off everybody in the field. Yeah. You know? So it's, you know, but it's crazy kind of, you know, I think a lot of people would say that about a lot of, the, like, the star athletes, too. You know, it just doesn't, it's not special. It's just... Tremendously efficient. Yes. They just do everything so well. All the fundamentals are so good. You know, kind of going back to football, right? Like, you know, Rabel talks about it. You hear him talk about it. Like, just don't make dumb mistakes and uh, do your job. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's nothing special. That's just it. do your job, you know. And um, and that's kind of the way, you know, those rounds are where you see those, like, you know, those great rounds. I mean, it's just like, you're like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to hit it at six feet there and make the putt, yep. you know. So true. It's kind of crazy. So no doubt. Final question. All right. You get to play one round of golf. Uh huh. What golf course is it? And who are the three partners that you're taking with you? <sighs> Gusta national, my dad, my granddad and tiger woods. My, Pretty easy. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, my granddad really got me involved in the game and, and, um, you know, and my dad, I just love playing with him, you know, so that would be it, you know, in a heartbeat. Um, there's some other guys that would be a close fifth, but if I got to just pick whoever, I'm taking it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to play, play, with, play with the big cat. So. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, a bonus question because I always feel like i gotta, I got to make people think a little bit. Okay. Okay. One of my favorite personalities in social media, his name is Jason Silva, and he's been involved in the Flow Genome Project and all kind of brain games, and he's okay. a super smart guy. And he posed a question once on social media that I found fascinating. Is everybody experiences three deaths. The day you find out you're going to die – the day that you die, and the last time anybody ever mentions your name. And then he posed the question, what are you going to do to extend life number three? Yeah. So I'm always thinking to myself, what is it that I'm doing, whether it be through coaching, through podcasts, Mm -hmm. through my books, whatever, what am I doing to elongate my life? What is it that you feel like you want to leave yeah, I think, you know, selfishly it would be growing the game of golf. You know, I just, it's made such a big impact in my life. Um, you know, I would love to be able to do that. Um, but the reality is, you know, for me, most the most important thing is being a good dad. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I want to be a great dad to my girls and, um, and that comes first and foremost. And then, you know, man, great question. Um, but yeah, growing the game of golf, you know, I mean, it's just it's such a great escape for kids and, 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 and it's such a, a great opportunity to learn about yourself and, and deal with challenges that you're going to face your whole life. No doubt. You know, and I just think it's the, the best way to kind of prep somebody for 
the hardships of life. You know what I mean? So having a couple, my grandmother, she's 86. She stayed with us for six and a half days, which was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but she's just like, you know, getting old, so tough. And it's just, you know, it's so hard and I'm really close with her. And, you know, it's like, Hey nanny, nobody got, nobody got tough or nobody got old by being weak and stupid. Okay. Yep. Like, you know, life's hard and you know, you've paid your dues to get, get to here, you yep. know? So, um, so enjoy it. But yeah, you know, I, for me, it's, it's being a good dad. And then, you know, like I said, it, uh, for my name to last in, yeah. <laughs> in this world. To grow the game. Yeah, you know, and then, you know, maybe it's like, I don't know, maybe I can win like 16 senior tour championships or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't been as hard on the body as some of these guys. So uh, maybe maybe when I get to 55 or 50, what is it, 50 on the senior 50, tour now? Yeah, yeah, so it's like, oh God, it's only, oh, it's only 11 years away. <laughs> um, better than two. Yeah, better. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, um, uh, I just have more to prepare. I have longer time to prepare for it than you do. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that would be gay. I mean, that would be great. I really, you know, I love competing. Um, something I'm excited to start getting back into. So, uh, I got to play in, uh, I got to play, played in the Herald Eller last year, um, with Sean and, and it was probably really good for me. You know, the mental game is, has always been a little tougher for me than the physical game. And, um, Sean called me at, uh, I was sitting eating breakfast with my wife and he goes, Hey man, I need a, my uh, guy dropped out today and the Herald Miller starts tomorrow and I need a partner. And it was probably the best scenario for me not playing, competing for so long to just, you know, you don't have all the build up, right? Yeah. You know? And it was just like, all right, wake up the next morning and go play golf, you know? And it was so much fun. Uh, and I realized how much I miss it, yeah. you know, just getting out there and competing. And um, so I'm excited to get back into that. And I don't know what that's going to look like, but. Um, you but know, you're going to be competing and that's really what it's all about. Yeah. And that's what it's about. That's right? the fundamental. That's, that's, even when I'm hearing your whole story is competing. Yeah. You know, that's what it's all about. Well, how can my listeners find out more about the golf sanctuary? And if they're interested in come checking out your place, how can they get it? How do you touch? Yeah. So one of the things we worked really hard on was not having a phone. Um, so there is no phone number, which is great. And, uh, so the easiest way is just reach out to me, uh, either on uh, the golf sanctuary Instagram page or LinkedIn or, um, you know, you can always shoot me an email over at Michael at my golf sanctuary.com or Michael at the golf sanctuary.com. And, uh, you know, I'd love to give you a tour and, and uh, show you what it's all about. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your yeah. business schedule to come share your story. It was awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks, Virgil. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's a lot of fun. Cure is focused on providing natural alternatives to aid with current or previous medical conditions. Cure does this by providing therapeutic properties of natural cannabinoid formulations for multiple uses, whether internally or externally. Ask your physical therapist or your primary care physician if cannabinoids are right for you, or check out their website, www.curemich.com. Cure, cannabis used for research and education. On the Verge is produced by Chase Akers. If you've enjoyed the show, leave a five-star rating and write a review. Click subscribe to make sure that you don't miss a single episode.